On this week's episode, number five of the MIDI Innovation Vault series, the deep dive into medical and scientific accelerators, incubator labs, and development communities, MIDI Medical Product Development CEO, Gregory Montalbano, is speaking with Diane Fable, who is the Director of Operations at the Center for Biotechnology located on the campus of Stony Brook University. Diane completed her bachelor's, master's, and PhD at Stony Brook University, and currently also serves as an executive director for various research and development accelerator and incubator organizations, including the Barter Drive Accelerator, Long Island Bioscience Hub, and the Life Science Summit. On today's podcast, Greg and Diane will be discussing in detail what the Center for Biotechnology is all about. A deep dive will be taken into the inner workings of the Center for Biotechnology Ecosystem Programs. Together, they will discuss the methods of mentoring and support offered to the entrepreneurial group spinning medical, scientific, and biotechnology applications. Diane will also outline the various Center for Biotechnology corporate, university, industry, as well as venture partner networks that support their members. Greg and Diane's discussions will also include what the Center for Biotechnology groups look for in a startup and how they can apply to the various programs offered. Lastly, today's podcast discussion will highlight new biotech and medtech innovative initiatives and exciting breakthroughs that are expected on the horizon from the Center for Biotechnology member network. Diane will also discuss real-world examples on what she has personally experienced and seen as director. So please stay tuned and enjoy. Welcome to the MIDI Innovation Vault podcast. My name is Gregory Montalbano, and I am your host as well as the principal of MIDI Medical Product Development. On today's podcast, we have Diane Fable, who is the Director of Operations at the Center for Biotechnology located at Stony Brook University. Welcome, Diane. Well, thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. It's good to have you. So, Diane, could you please share with the listeners your background as well as your team's passion of taking early entrepreneurial groups, research and technology, and applying the Center for Biotechnology support methods to really de-risk, validate, and grow an entrepreneurial idea? Sure. Well, I'll start with my academic background um, because, <clears throat> excuse me, probably like everyone else, it kind of um, wandered throughout my career. So I started with a degree in economics. Um, a little later in my career, I um, pursued a master's degree in technology management, and that was awarded. And more recently, I received a doctorate degree in biomedical engineering uh, focused on translational research. On the business side, my career started um, with middle management positions in a variety of industries, none of them biotech related. Um, but uh, again, as life will, will bring you um, not in a straight line toward your destination, I wound up back on Long Island uh, in the uh, early 1990s and um, recognized that Stony Brook could benefit from my background in a small business development. And so I started working with them on um, business incubators. With regards to your entrepreneurial group, you know, what are some of the methods or what are some of the applications that uh, you they apply? Or maybe we'll start with talking about uh, the Center for Biotechnology. So ultimately, could you describe to the listeners what it's all about, as well as supporting the Acceleration Incubator and mentoring the organizations like the BARTA Drive Accelerator, Long Island Bioscience Hub, and the Life Science Summit events? Sure. So we have several designations that kind of drive our mission. 
Um, but in total, what they do is they help us move technology from point of discovery um, through to a license agreement, company formation, um, and ultimately a, let's say a series A financing. So we focus on that early stage of development and we have four major designations that help us achieve uh, those goals. So we've been a New York State Center for Advanced Technology and Medical Biotechnology since 1983. And that's a university-based economic development initiative uh, designed to help emerging companies access resources at the university that could help them develop their technology and ultimately be more successful. And we have an end-to-end -end suite of uh, business development programs that can help an entrepreneur, you know, stand up the company and then move it toward um, key milestones and ultimately professional financing. On the uh, technology development side, we are designated by the National Institutes of Health as a research evaluation and commercialization hub. And that's really uh, designed um, to help NIH commercialize or translate some of the innovation basic research supported uh, by their $44 billion investment uh, on an annual basis and to help make sure that more of that innovation actually uh, reaches patients and uh, impacts human health. So um, the NIH designation helps us develop technologies with purpose toward that goal. And then we are also designated a uh, BARDA, which is the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority Drive Accelerator. So BARDA is the federal organization charged with protecting the national health security. And our role with them as a business accelerator is to help them reach companies working in the area of health security um, to help cultivate more companies and more academic innovators working in that space and kind of serve as a liaison between um, the commercial sector and BARDA to um, accelerate the development of those technologies that are, are relevant to national health security. So you can imagine just recently um, with the pandemic that there's been a huge focus on diagnostics, therapeutics, wearable devices, et cetera. Um, so BARDA has been front and center and will remain there um, for the future. And uh, so I don't think, you know, after this pandemic is over that we'll see any de decrease there. And then we're also um, supported by the Department of Commerce and their uh, economic um, development authority to help companies successfully compete compete for small business innovation research and small business technology transfer uh, grants awarded by the federal government. It is the largest source of non-dilutive um, capital uh, available to companies. So I think it's important that people know about that program and are prepared to apply for it. That um, designation also supports our Long Island Biomentor Initiative, which builds teams of industry mentors around early stage entrepreneurs to make sure that they reach important uh, milestones and continue to progress toward um, 
a strategic partnership or fundraising, et cetera. Well, that sounds like a very robust ecosystem you have. And uh, that, was, that was very interesting. So in talking about the ecosystem and the specific groups uh, that you support, um, how does your organization create this environment within the various groups that you have where members can learn and apply their entrepreneurial thinking and innovation for the process of growth and development, specifically as related to healthcare and life science technology applications? So we, we have a multi-pronged approach. Um, certainly we are focused on developing innovation um, really from discovery through to say a license or a company formation. And we believe that really in terms of the potential for academia to impact um, technology development and, and commercialization, we've only really um, scratched the surface. There is so much innovation that is untapped. Um, when you look at the investment that NIH is making in um, basic research, it's $44 billion a year, only 8.5% of projects lead to patents and only 5% of patents are ultimately commercialized. So we focus very much on trying to increase the yield of innovation coming from academia, uh, accelerating development across the development life cycle, both you know, in the academic environment, but also in that early stage commercialization process. And then we focus very much on um, increasing the rate of success. And so with those kind of very broad goals, we bring together an entire ecosystem that's relevant to, to that stage of development. And we try to saturate um, the environment with uh, people who have expertise in those areas. I think um, we would not be nearly as successful if, if our own actions were not amplified by the strategic partners, investors, professional service providers that we bring into our ecosystem. And ultimately we've put together this end-to-end uh, -end suite of programs that take uh, an innovation and an entrepreneur from discovery through to that series A. That's a great segue to my next question. And I've personally seen great value in offering early entrepreneurs and startups and accelerator or incubator system that scales. So how does your organizations position themselves and your members to fulfill the role of fostered collaboration with other entities, such as Stony Brook University being also a teaching hospital or part of a teaching hospital on the same campus, industry, strategic partners, uh, healthcare networks, life science players, uh, corporations, as well as uh, venture partner networks? Well, uh, you know, as I, I referenced in our, our last question, I think it, it's all about the people and bringing um, really high quality, dedicated people into the process. And you need people representing every portion of the, um, you know, development life cycle, right? So we need we need the scientists on the early end to help validate the science, but we also need the market specialists who's, who can say what is the appropriate application 
um, for that technology, given the competitive landscape, um, given um, you know clinical use issues. So our strategy has been to surround ourselves and to bring into our ecosystem um, a very diverse, very deep uh, group of volunteers who are committed to our mission. Um, they want to support the growth of the biotech sector in our you know, ecosystem. And for the most part, uh, you know, people are really willing to do that if you can create an environment where they feel they're contributing, um, they're, they're making a difference, their time is not wasted. And I think they also enjoy connecting with other people in the ecosystem. So that's what we have tried to do is really kind of super saturate um, our process, you know, our sector of, or our portion of the process of, of moving discoveries to say a series A um, with the best people possible. That's great. And uh, on another subject, could you share with us your thoughts relative to best methods of optimizing and maintaining alignment between both sides of academia and industry during the early stages or later stages of biotech, biomedical development, in essence, bridging that translational gap between those two worlds. So how does your groups or the Center for Biotechnology help bridge that gap? Well, we have a few principles and I don't know that they're um, novel, but we do believe that um, we should interact everyone should interact with industry early and often, right? I mean, to develop a technology or a, a product candidate, you know, in a vacuum is not gonna be helpful. And we also believe in, um, you know, fail fast or proceed. So if there's gonna be bad news, you know, you wanna get it early. So we um, take a very hands-on approach to helping faculty or, or entrepreneurs uh, move their technology down a commercial pathway. And we make sure uh, all throughout that process that we are bringing industry in to help um, make any course corrections, to raise concerns, uh, you know, to discuss relevant milestones. You know, what, what would an investor wanna see at this stage of development in order to want to continue the conversation. Excellent. And uh, is the Center for Biotechnology Ecosystem Programs open to anyone or is it just Stony Brook University research students, alumni or faculty? So um, in the broadest sense, we have a New York State designation. So most of our work uh, is done with New York State faculty and New York State companies because of our location here um, at Stony Brook. We work a lot with Stony Brook faculty, but under our NIH designation, we launched the Long Island Bioscience Hub, uh, which is a partnership between our center, uh, Stony Brook University, Brookhaven National Laboratory, Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, and the Feinstein Institute at Northwell. And that partnership is designed to help increase the rate of translation of basic re research discoveries from that environment into our local ecosystem. Um, so I think, 
you know, those are the kinds of things that we do for uh, New York State companies. Our BARTA drive designation um, is a little broader than that um, and, and kind of um, allows us to work in the tri-state region um, on health security technologies and companies. But even though we, we kind of are focused here in the Northeast and more specifically in New York State, and, and if you wanna drill down on Long Island, we are connected to national networks of um, uh, other business accelerators through the NIH and through BARDA uh, that are translating academic innovation into the commercial sector and, and be developing best practices uh, for accelerating that process and increasing the yield. So while we're more locally focused, um, we're really nationally and internationally connected. Great. So what's the typical makeup of the Center for Biotechnology and affiliated organizations, entrepreneurs? So do they run from super early research stage groups all the way through to funded companies? Yeah, uh, students, faculty innovators, first time entrepreneurs, and even um, savvy business executives, uh, but people who have not served in the role of CEO before. So we kind of support the earlier stage ecosystem, but it, it can go from, from a student entrepreneur to uh, industry executive with 20 years of experience, but never in the role of CEO. And uh, I can think the listeners want to hear, you know, what you're seeing most recently that's being developed at the Center for Biotechnology through the entrepreneurs that would be considered industry hot topics, new technology applications, or unique growth areas. Well, so, you know, things shift all the time, but, um, I think I'm seeing in a broad sense, um, real um, further evolution of uh, interest in personalized and precision medicine. I think that's you know, here to stay and that's going to expand and there's great progress being made in customized therapies and bringing those directly to individual patients. I think, um, Artificial intelligence and machine learning, of course, allow us to process more data, um, just tremendous amounts of data that can assist in so many ways, but also in helping us uh, accelerate, uh, identify targets and accelerate uh, drug development. So I think you'll see great expansion there. And synthetic biology, which, you know, builds artificial biological systems that can uh, play a role in so many different parts of the discovery and development um, process, but maybe relevant right now is the ability to develop, you know, better vaccines that uh, can be developed um, in a shorter period of time and are less susceptible to mutations. That sounds really interesting. So what I wanted to discuss now is what type of groups and or companies does the Center for Biotechnology consider for acceptance into the different programs that you offer? And do you have any recommendations for those groups on how to get started on their path to be part of the Center for Biotechnology ecosystem? 
Uh, you know, so we work in a very um, technical, scientifically challenging uh, part of uh, commercial development, right? So mm -hmm. developing biomedical technologies and products is really challenging. So I think people have to come to that um, challenge prepared. And so I would say um, there's a lot of homework an entrepreneur can do on their own before they engage us to immerse themselves. I, I, I always tell students, but I would say, you know, first time entrepreneurs or, or faculty innovators, you need to educate yourself on the industry. So start reading the trade publications, um, start attending events like our Life Sciences Summit, which is coming up November 9th and 10th. Um, look for opportunities uh, to understand your particular, um, the application of your technology, where does it fit in the market? Perhaps um, even have a preliminary pitch deck put together that shares non-confidential information with us so we can help focus. So there needs to be some preparation on the part of the entrepreneur before we can really help them. Um, but then once, once they come to us, I mean, our only limitation is capacity, right? So we're a small mm -hmm. organization and we will try to help um, any um, committed entrepreneur in the biotech sector that is, you know, willing to respond to our guidance. They don't have to accept, you know, every um, suggestion we make, but they need to be engaged. We can't really do it for them. So, you know, if they come into us and we can understand their technology and what stage of development they're at, we have a a program called Commercialization Clinic, where um, we help companies understand the weaknesses in their strategy. It's amazing to me how many companies that are even have been in existence for several years don't understand the market application or the competitive landscape. And mm -hmm. so those are things that we try to work with companies to understand. Um, yeah. We also have Go ahead. That, that's really interesting, you know, in working with a lot of startups, entrepreneurs, and also working uh, with you at Stony Brook University uh, Center for Biotechnology. It's the technology is great. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs come to the table with amazing technologies or applications, but truly understanding the marketplace, the end users, the unmet needs will allow them to evolve their thought process and their, their trajectory relative to how to apply the technology and give them the, the insight to pivot as needed in order to really move the ball forward and gain success. Layered with that is really understanding the regulatory landscape of any one particular product or application, whether it's predicate device application or de novo application, a lot of uh, groups that are going to potentially fund them, you know, they really need to know those aspects and the risk scenarios in order to raise the appropriate capital to really make it across the, uh, eventually across the finish line. And, uh, you know, I, I know your group and really help them in the commercialized clinic and other offerings to, you know, really round out their vision appropriately 
uh, to put them in the best position to be able to manage uh, their technology and, and create an appropriate vision forward. Yeah, so, so sometimes we, we suggest as kind of a first step besides the very basic things that I suggested about, you know, educate yourself. There's just so much information out there about, mm -hmm. um, you know, the development process. But we run a boot camp, for example, as many accelerators do. And, um, you know, it's a first chance for a, a first time entrepreneur to come in and be forced to go through the process of thinking about, you know, what is the technology? What is its application? Um, how do I test it? Uh, you know, like a lean launch pad method um, with customers to understand whether or not it's really needed. All of those steps that I think are critical before you even can start for, for real a uh, technology development or commercialization process, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So when a medical or biotech group is accepted to any one program for the Center for Biotechnology, are there costs or fees involved with that startup group or is it subsidized by the program? And is there funding that could be won or sourced through your organization or its structure and connections? Sure. So there, we do not charge any fees for New York State companies. Um, because we are a New York State Center for Advanced Technology, and that's what we're supported to do for New York State. Um, our, our limitation truly is just capacity of the staff uh, to respond to the needs, but we try really hard to um, kind of uh, do an intake with a company and then figure out what resources we have that we can help them with, depending on their stage of development. So. You know, as we talked about before, you know, the commercialization clinic or the boot camp, we do strategy sessions to mimic kind of investor pitches. Um, we have our mentor initiative, the Long Island Bio Mentor Initiative, and then a, a life sciences summit, which is really where we connect the innovator to capital and strategic partners. So by, I think, um, slotting them appropriately um, targeting their stage of development, we can accommodate a significant portfolio of, of companies and we don't charge for that. Okay, great. Uh, you also asked about um, funding programs. Mm -hmm. And so we've, we've managed four funds over the history of the center. Two were focused on uh, investing in commercially promising faculty research and two were focused on uh, co-sponsoring collaborations between Stony Brook faculty and New York State companies. Um, so we are in the process of raising a new fund. One is going to be focused on um, uh, health security technologies and that should be announced before the um, end of the year. And we also have a program that will co-invest in the um, co-development of technologies between Stony Brook University faculty and New York State companies. And that RFP will likely be released in the spring. It's exciting. And again, you mentioned the Life Science Summit. Uh, tell me a little more about that and it's upcoming in November. Yeah, so, you know, as an accelerator and as we've discussed, um, 
we develop technologies and companies uh, within New York State with a, a stronger focus just because of our geographic location on the downstate New York region. But as you know, the, the, the biotech um, industry is global. And so you can't complete the process if you're not engaged uh, very heavily with the global biotech industry. And when I say that, I mean everyone from the strategic partners to the investors, to the um, professional service providers. Um, so you have to be um, building those relationships and companies need to be cultivating them from the time their, of their inception all the way to the time you know, that they do an exit. And the Life Sciences Summit brings those communities together. So uh, we, we have a lot of partnerships uh, and sponsorships with the National Institutes of Health and major pharmaceutical and device companies, as well as the professional service sector and um, the investment community. And we bring it all together at the Life Sciences Summit, which will be um, take place November 9th and 10th this year. Um, so the program is comp comprised of major plenary sessions that kind of talk about big picture items uh, related to um, investment capital, where investors see um, the industry going, how companies can position themselves for that investment. Um, we'll also have two live webinars this year that are panels of investors who are there to interact directly uh, with the emerging company sector and to answer their questions. So the one will take place November 9th, one will take place November 10th, and we invite um, all New York State emerging companies that hear this uh, to participate as our guest in that um, part of the program. In fact, they, we, we will have them registered for the full event if awesome. they're interested. And uh, what's the website for that if people want to check that out? Uh, www.lifesciencessummit.org. Okay, great. So just jumping back to uh, the accelerator and incubator aspects of uh, Center for Biotechnology, how long does each program run? So different than other um, accelerators, and we have really good high quality accelerators in New York, um, you have J-Labs, you have IndieBio, you have eLab. Uh, we don't have a beginning and an end. We um, adjust to each individual company's needs. So that's a little different than, than other accelerator programs. Um, mm -hmm. But clearly we wanna keep companies progressing and uh, they can't hibernate, right? So our incubator here at Stony Brook um, you know, they review company progress all the time to make sure that they are reaching their milestones. Otherwise, you find companies can sometimes get comfortable mm -hmm. and they, what we say, hibernate. So um, as long as companies are showing progress, we're supporting them. So what's your best advice that you'd be willing to share with early entrepreneurial groups in order to allow them to understand how to best position themselves so that they can be seriously considered for acceptance for the Center for Biotechnology programs? Well, like I said, I think 
you know, they have to be serious. They have to um, spend some time educating themselves. It's, it's really hard even for a serial entrepreneur to be successful uh, at bringing a technology to the marketplace. So I think they, they need to immerse themselves in the industry side specifically, and particularly if you know, they are academics, they need to understand uh, the environment. And um, you know, as long as they are committed uh, you know, we will support them. And I think they just have to have realistic expectations. Um, they, I think when they interact with the investment community, they, they need to do that early, but they shouldn't be asking for money early. I think that's a mistake a lot of companies make. Um, they either won't approach an investor because they don't think they're ready. And so therefore they never get any feedback um, or they do the opposite and they desperately need capital. So they're out there pitching way too early. Mm. I think investors and strategic partners are willing to have conversations. And I would suggest to companies that they, they um, plan on those interactions with industry and with investors um, it should be a regular process and they should have um, be able to demonstrate that they're moving toward commercially relevant milestones. So they don't have to overwhelm an investor with a pitch, just introduce yourself, um, get them excited about the potential for the technology and then keep in touch. Absolutely, and, and really aligning yourself with investors that you know certainly will um, fund but be partners in the business relative to business structure decisions and also alignment within the technology or industry that you're looking to uh, basically you know enter into and that's critical because you know just having money from an investor is is only half the battle really uh, having somebody who aligns with you or a group and could uh, create more connections is uh, really, that's the startups and emerging companies that are truly successful, you know? So it's, it's very important to align themselves with those individuals. Yeah, and, and many in investors and firms specialize, right? So you don't mm -hmm. want to show your ignorance by approaching an investor that has no interest in your, um, you know, technology field Right. It's, you know, and they also specialize by stage of development. So um, no sense approaching a, a late stage investor if you're, you know, seeking seed angel or, you know, early series A type financing. Yeah, absolutely. So Diane, this has been very informative and myself as well as the MIDI Innovation Vault podcast listeners really appreciate your time. So with the minute we have left, if a healthcare or life science company wanted to be considered for your programs, what is the best way for them to reach out to you or to the Center for Biotechnology team? So certainly they can find out about what we do on our website, centerforbiotechnology.org, or they can reach out directly to me, diane.fable 
F-A-B-E-L at stonybrook.edu. Very good. And again, if any MIDI Innovation Vault podcast listeners have any questions about this episode, you can email us directly at innovation at midipd.com and we'll reach out to you. So with seconds left, what golden nugget of wisdom would you like to pass on to entrepreneurial startups in their early stage of research, planning, and growth? I think, uh, you know, never before in my lifetime has the um, landscape really been so promising. Their science is just progressing um, at such a, a fantastic rate. So I would encourage entrepreneurs to stick with it. Um, be prepared, reach out and get the support that's available to you because there is a lot, um, including non-diluted funding from the federal government. And, um, you know, turn to the resources that, that are out there. I think so many people are willing to help. Excellent. And with that said, I wanna thank our guest, Diane Fable from the Center for Biotechnology for her time today. And again, Diane, thank you for being here and sharing your knowledge and experience. Thanks, Greg. Just as a reminder to our MIDI Innovation Vault podcast listeners to please tune into our next podcast, episode six of this series. In episode six, I will have as my guest, the University of Pennsylvania's director of Penn Health Tech, Katie Ruther. Katie and I will discuss the methods and resources as applied to supporting, mentoring, de-risking, and validating Penn Health Tech's entrepreneurial members' transformative technologies to address the world's pressing healthcare needs. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Episode 5 of MIDI's Innovation Vault series on the deep dive into medical and scientific accelerators, incubator labs, and development communities with host and principal of MIDI Medical Product Development, Gregory Montalbano. If you have any questions or comments on today's podcast, or you would like to schedule a complimentary consultation with Greg about your business, you can reach him by phone at 1-631-467-8686 or email at innovation at midipd.com. That's M-I-D-I-P-D.com. If you enjoyed this podcast content, please follow MIDI on social media, or if you would like to download informative industry-related white papers and supporting material, please visit MIDI's website at www.midipd.com. That's M-I-D-I-P-D.com. Dot com.